And now this ball's hit hard into right field, and it is gone! Line drive home run for Rosario! And it is 3-0 Minnesota here in the first inning. Welcome to the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Brent, and today we are joined by Adam Azer, podcast host for CBS Sports, host for Fantasy Football Today, and he's part of the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. How are we doing, Adam? Doing pretty well, man. How are you? Good. Yes. Thank you for joining us. So with having guests on, the first question we asked to get to know them a little bit more, a little bit more. I know a lot of people know you with the fan- CBS football and baseball, but how did you get started in the industry? and working with CBS? I'd say I got started in college. I did a lot of radio in college. Um, I did play-by-play, and I hosted some radio shows for the student station. And I also interned for a company that was called CSTV at the time. This was 2005. Uh, Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) And uh, they became CBS Sports Network. So but anyway, they yeah, I interned with them, and then they hired me out out of college. And then they became CBS. From there, I transferred over to the website, cbssports.com. And now I'm hosting podcasts for cbssports.com for like 11 years now. But yeah, really, I got started in college with a lot of radio stuff, some TV stuff, a little bit of writing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, people ask all the time how to get in the industry. And I say you got to do as much as you can. Video, audio, writing, be as versatile as you can. Um, cause whatever job you have in this industry, they're going to ask you to do other things too. It's very few people do just one thing I'd say. So, um, get started early and do whatever you can. Yeah. It sounds kind of like minor league baseball. I actually worked with the Modesto nuts out in California and that's pretty much it too. You might be part of the operations, but you're doing pretty much everything. And there's a couple of guests now that we've had on that started like you did. They started in college, got in with the group and just worked hard and worked their way up. So it's good to see. Yeah, that's that's um, basically what it's all about, working your way up. You know, when I first started with CSTV slash CBS, whatever, I did not know what a podcast was. It was basically the infancy of podcasting. I learned um, I was doing like like uh, marketing, basically. <laughs> it's funny where your, your life will take it, but I just wanted to get in with that company. I was doing a little bit on air stuff, but also like some marketing. Mm-hmm. And um, just worked hard and got lucky to get to do what I do. Yeah. So you are a Yankees fan, and I'm a Twins fan, so it's it's been tough over the years. But what are your thoughts on the Yankees in the 60-game season and beyond, in like 2021 and beyond? Well, I just got to know, like, if you're, you're up 3 nothing. You get Luis Severino out of the game after one or two outs. Mm-hmm. You got to think, like, oh, it's time. And I was at that game, by the way. And I'll never forget the DD home run. It's one of my favorite sports memories. I'm sorry to do this to you. And were you thinking at that point, oh, we got him. It's ours. I'll be honest. I was. When Rosario and Dozier hit those home runs, I was like, oh, yes, yes. We're going to get them this one time. And we always struggle to play you guys in Yankee Stadium. So I was so happy. We got Luis Severino out at the time, who was probably, he might have been a top 10 pitcher in baseball. So we mm-hmm. got him out. And I thought we were going to take it, but then we just fell apart. And, and, you know, the Twins scare the heck out of me this year. I mean, this is their this is their best team in a long time. Mm-hmm. The Yankees, I think, are awesome. The Yankees have their best team in a long time. They, I wish it were a 162-game season. They would win 100 games easily. They might push 105. They might be like the Red Sox a few years ago. 
I think they're freaking loaded and um, I cannot wait for the season to start. So uh, I'm ready. I, I, if they don't win the world series, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Do you think Aaron judge or do you think Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton play all 60 games or what's going to happen there? I think they're going to play the first game. That's all. I know. <laughs> um, it's hard to say, you know, look, I have my doubts. Of course, those guys cannot stay healthy. Mm-hmm. But um, if they do, it's going to be pretty awesome. And, you know, I, I think the size might be a thing. It's just weird. These like nagging injuries for Aaron Judge and, and for mm-hmm. Giancarlo Stanton. They're two of the tallest players in baseball. But I don't know. I'm not a doctor. It might just be a coincidence. I have pretty, pretty much no faith in Stanton staying healthy. Like the fact that he's been hurt for five months now and is only ready to be a DH is crazy. Judge, I feel like his injuries have been a little bit flukier. That's, of course, what people used to say about Stanton. Um, I have more faith in Judge staying healthy than I do Stanton. Yeah, I would agree with that. But one guy I want to talk about in that lineup that I feel like for some reason he's gotten some hate, even though he doesn't deserve it. And he was part of that Chapman trade back in the day. And people are just saying, oh, he takes advantage of the Oreos. And that's Glaber Torres. I personally think he's going to be the next superstar, the next wave of the great players in the game. What are your thoughts on Torres? Can't really be a great like I wouldn't say can't but what most of the great hitters have is plate discipline um and that could come in in this year for for Glaber you know that would be the next step because he's a tremendous home run hitter but you know from a fantasy standpoint he doesn't really do anything other than hit home runs you know his batting average is fine he doesn't steal he doesn't double um but I but he's done such so much at such a young age that he could be the next superstar. And I definitely want to have him on some of my fantasy teams. You know, I was thinking about taking him tonight in the draft I'm doing right now. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, I took Rafael Devers instead, but mm. yeah, I just think Torres is man. There's nothing not to like about him except he's last year. He was basically just relying on the home run, but this year I think, you know, he's going to be a more important part of the Yankees lineup. I think he could, he could be their best player. This could really be the year where he jumps into superstardom, and he gets drafted that way, too. People are expecting that jump from him. Taking a Red Sox Devers over your mm-hmm. own Yankee Torres. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one right there. So who are some of your favorite fantasy players to draft in a 60-game season? I actually listened to that the last podcast for CBS, and you mentioned a couple guys like Flaherty Moncada. Who else is kind of your breakout candidates? Carlos Correa is my guy. Um, look, People have different approaches to the 60-game season when it comes to injury-prone players. One approach is, man, if they get hurt, if they go on the IL and miss three weeks, that's a third of the season. If they miss a month, that's almost half the season. I don't want these injury-prone guys. My approach is all they have to do is stay healthy for 60 games. Mm -hmm. How freaking hard is that? If Correa does stay healthy, I think he's one of the best hitters in baseball. I certainly think he's one of the best hitting shortstops. I think he's a very sneaky pick for MVP this year. And he's my favorite, my single favorite draft value. The fact that Vladimir Guerrero is going to be playing some first base and will be gaining first base eligibility, I like him even more. He didn't do that much last year, but he wasn't terrible. Um, so I, I got, I've got, i got Vlad on the team that I just drafted tonight. I have Correa on the team that I drafted. I have uh, Archie Bradley. He's one of my favorite closers. He's got job security, unless he goes out and blows it, but it's his job. Um, I don't think there's anybody good in that bullpen that's going to take it from him. Um, I love James Paxton. I think this will be a year where he sort of puts it together. Of course, he has to stay healthy, but I think he will. I love Carlos Carrasco. I love the value on him. Look, I know he's got something very serious to overcome, but 
he's you know he's missed over a year at this point. I'm hopeful. Hopefully, he's back to full strength. I'm rooting for the guy, and if he is the Carlos Carrasco of old, he is a uh, you know a fourth round pick that mm-hmm. you can get in maybe the tenth round. So uh, those are some of the guys, but it really starts with Carlos Correa for me. He's basically the centerpiece of my drafts. As soon as we get to like round seven, I'm thinking, okay, now now is early enough to take Carlos Correa. Quite frankly, like take him in round three. I don't even get, you don't have to, but -hmm. I think he's good enough to be that kind of a player where there's really no such thing as reaching for Correa, in my opinion. Yeah. Three years ago, he was pretty much shortstop number one. So you would take him over Corey Seager, huh? Oh, for sure. Seager's my backup plan at shortstop, and I wouldn't even mind getting him as a middle infielder if he's available after the 10th round. Um, Seager's going to have a really good year, and he's also great value. I like to gamble on guys who are being downgraded because of injuries. That's a bit of a theme for me, as you can see, with Paxton, with Carrasco, with uh, Correa, with Seager, Aaron Judge at this point, although I think he went fairly early in tonight's draft. Um, You know, sometimes you can get a really nice discount on players because... People were scared of the injuries. Yeah, Corey Seager, according to Lana Rizzo, who's one of my favorite Dodgers follows, he's been scorching hot yeah. in Dodgers camp. So that'll that'll be interesting to see how he comes out of the gates. So for more of teams, who is your World Series favorites in this 60-game set? The Yankees and the Dodgers. You know, you're going to need depth this year. Guys are going to go on and off the I.L. The Yankees have... Mayhew on the IL right now. He might be back for opening day. They had Judge and Stanton out. They have Chapman on the IL. And yet, what's happening? Britain's going to be their closer in the interim. Um, Clint Frazier could step in. Uh, Mike Talkman's a really good defensive outfielder with some, some hitting potential. Aaron Hicks is back. They are super deep. The Dodgers are always incredibly deep. So I'm going to take the chalk and I'm going to take those guys. I do think the Twins are, are really scary. Twins mm-hmm. bullpen is Awesome. Um, I, I've, if you listen to my show, you know I say it all the time. Like, I don't know what happened. Every single twin had a career year last year. Everyone, basically. <laughs> Including Nelson Cruz, who's been in the league for 40 years. So um, I think they take a step back because you see that with like the Blue Jays that one year where they had Donaldson, Encarnacion, and Bautista. They just weren't quite as good hitting next, the, la- the next year. You saw with the Red Sox. Um, I think the Twins lineup is not going to be as good, but I think you know, the getting Rich Hill is huge and Taylor Rogers is a stud. They are the, they are my second favorite team. And then I'd say the Astros in the AL and in the NL, the Braves obviously have a great chance. A lot of teams have a chance. NL is pretty wide open, but the Dodgers are still the creme de la creme. Getting Mookie Betts was huge, but with the twins, like Nelson, they had their sim, they had one of their inner squad games yesterday. Nelson Cruz pops a oppo two run home run. I mean, he looks, he looks like he's 20 years young. He looks so good out there. And Kenta Maeda pitched four great innings where that's probably one of the more underrated pieces that we have, even though a lot of fantasy guys like Maeda. He kind of lights up that stat cast. So do you like to break down pitchers with analytics? Yes, I do like swinging strike rate very much. Um, Hard contact rate, ground ball rate, all really important. I don't really look at FIP, XFIP, XERA all that much because I kind of feel like it's cheating. As a fantasy analyst, it's like do the work and look at all the other metrics and whatever instead of just being lazy and being like, well, XFIP says this. I also think that there are just so many examples of, of XFIP just being useless. It's just ERA is fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, because if you look at ERA, I'm not so stupid where I can't figure out, oh, this guy was lucky. Like, okay, 
his ERA shouldn't be that good. But I remember having an argument on the show with Chris where it's like, really, Blake Snell was as good last year as he was the year before where his ERA was like two runs higher or whatever? You can't be serious just because the advanced stats are saying that. Luck does not account for that much. You know, I think fantasy analysts just in general talk about luck a little bit too liberally. Um, but yeah, I look at I look at a lot of different advanced stats. I don't really love XFIP and Sierra and all that because uh, it doesn't predict the future. It gives yeah. you an idea of what, what their ERA, I guess, should have been. But my, my problem with those types of advanced stats that try to sum everything up, we have four of them and they all give different things. They all, so, so what am I, so what's right? Sorry if I sound like a dinosaur and a curmudgeon here, but what am I supposed to use? First it was FIP, then it was XFIP, then Sierra, now it's XERA. Whatever, man. I think we've made analyzing players a little bit too complicated. So you're, the long answer is that. The short answer is yes, I do use advanced stats, not as much as everyone else. Yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, there's analysts that they pretty much read off the sites, and I agree with that. I think there's still a little bit to be said to watch an actual player seeing what he's doing, watching how he's flowing in a game, like, kind of look at the mental part of the game. We've had players on the show like Buck Farmer and Blevins and stuff, and the, they're kind of uh, the old school guys, like meat and potato guys. They don't they looked at analytics, but they didn't use them for the entirety of the game, and they said 90% of the game is all mental. It's all about focusing, knowing, hitting your spots, and knowing what to do for certain batters. I mean, would you agree with that? I don't know. Yeah, look, um, probably not. It's probably an overstatement. I, having never been a professional baseball player, unfortunately, I don't know, but I guess I think that, you know, it all started in college when the analyst for me, which was 2002, 2000, 2002 to 2006, mm-hmm. um, the analytics started getting really big then. And I remember having discussions and, and arguments with sports arguments with people who said there's no such thing as clutch in baseball. And I always was annoyed by that because like I know when I play sports, I get like, I'm really bad in the clutch. I put too much, I can't slow my brain out. You know, like I put too much pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that exists in, in major league baseball. You know, there, there is a mental aspect to the game. It doesn't have to necessarily be in a clutch situation. I don't know if it's 90% of the game, but I absolutely believe that some players have mental fortitude to perform better in big spots than other players. Um, and you just can't, you just cannot quantify that in any way. So I absolutely think there's a big mental aspect of it. If there weren't, it would be easier to predict baseball and sports in general. Yep. So one guy too, I want to talk about on the Yankees as well. He, he's your slot in as your fifth starter, Jordan Montgomery. Do you think he can kind of put it together in the 60 game set and be a, maybe a top 40 pitcher? I like Montgomery. Um, I do think so. If they don't skip him, I've been a little worried about fifth starters in the rotation getting skipped in this short season when there's such a sense of urgency and you might see managers approach it kind of like a playoff series. You know, you're only going four, four starters. That won't be the norm. But but think about this. Like you got to win as many games. You, can, you, you can't waste time this season. Obviously, you always have to win as many games as you can. But this time you can't waste time. Only 60 games. So if you're on a five man rotation, but there's a day off and everybody's pitching on five days rest instead of four days rest, who are you going to skip? You might you might skip nobody if you have a really good fifth starter, but you might skip your fifth guy. So I worry a little bit about that with Jordan Montgomery. That being said, look, he's only the fifth starter as long as everyone stays healthy. So he might be needed. He might be better than Jay Happ. He might be mm-hmm. better than Masahiro Tanaka. So um, 
I think as long as he pitches, he could be pretty good. Obviously, he's been uh, he's been away. He hasn't really pitched in a long time. We don't really know if he can return, regain that form. But what he did at a young age was good. He doesn't have a lot of velocity. He throws a lot of different pitches fairly well, it seems. Um, so could go badly for him. But I think he's worth a shot. I definitely think he's a good late-round flyer. Who is the biggest threat in that? I know they kind of mashed all the sections off. You kind of have the whole East Coast. The Twins have a Central. West Coast is with Dodgers, runs up to Seattle. Do you think the Rays are a, probably the biggest threat out there for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going to discount the Red Sox. They have a lot of talent on their team, but I just don't see it with their rotation. Yeah, the yeah. Rays are, are, are loaded, but the question is, do they have a great hitter? You know, mm-hmm. is Austin Meadows that? I think they obviously are going to pitch their way into contention. I just don't think their lineup measures up. You know, they'll mix and match, and they'll take advantage of platoon splits. Um, their rotation is definitely better than the Yankees. Their bullpen is pretty comparable, but the Yankees hitting is so much better, I think. Um, but the Rays are, yeah, big threat, big threat. Yeah, they always play the Twins tough as well. So going to your across-the-town team, the Mets, do you think do you think Cespedes, I've, everyone's excited about him because he's actually on a field playing, but when I watched him make that catch behind the back, yeah, that was impressive, but when he kind of ran around, the guy looks so stiff. He just looks stiff and fragile. Do you think he can actually play this year or not really? I think he could DH. And, you know, Scott Scott White on our show loves J.D. Davis. I think the biggest threat mm-hmm. to J.D. Davis is Yoenis Cespedes having to DH all the time. Um, other than that, yeah, I think he could be all right. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. He's pretty much never been bad, you know. He's always been a really good hitter. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what he can do and seeing what he can do and I hope it doesn't affect J.D. Davis, but I wouldn't rule out Joanna Cespedes being a must-start player. It just It's probably going to have to be as a D.H. Him and Alonzo might just kind of switch off in the D.H. or Alonzo plays first every day because he is not that great of a first baseman. So getting to know you a little bit more, uh, what are some of your favorite ballparks in the league? How many Yankee games do you go to a year? Not that many. Uh, three-ish, something like that. I'll try to go to some playoff games. Mm-hmm. But no, I, man, I'm pretty boring. It's really not that far from me. It's like a 20, 30 minute train ride. Um, but it's also kind of a pain in the butt and the games are really long and they end really late and <laughs> I'm not home, you know, so whatever. I'm an old man with two kids and I've only <laughs> been to two ballparks. I've been to three ballparks. I've been to the two New York ones and I've been to the Marlins park. Um, I would say city field is my favorite of the three. Okay. So what are some of your favorite baseball memories over the years? I was at Game 7 of the 1997 World Series, Marlins-Indians. Uh, Marlins versus Cleveland, sorry. And uh, it was incredible. It was something I'll never forget. Uh, the D.D. Gregorius game was, was pretty sweet for me in terms of being in person. Those are the two that really stand out. And, um, that, yeah, other than baseball memories, a lot of Yankee stuff, just watching on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be mostly it okay this question i was curious to get your thoughts about because i know you're probably real busy with the football and baseball sides at cbs but do you listen to any other fantasy baseball podcasts out there no i don't actually i listened a little bit to the fantasy bffs uh i was courting frank and um i wanted to you know i wanted to hear frank and who's now hosting our podcast 
But since we brought him on, no, I haven't listened to any others. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I like Rates and Barrels, the Fantasy Pros, and you guys. We, I know me and my buddy Jordan, who actually he had to work tonight, but he was going to try and hop on. He, we've listened to CBS for years, and he kind of got to where we listen it to every day because you were one of the few podcasts that do it every day. Like ESPN only did it Tuesdays and Fridays or whatever. And the other ones you might get a week or maybe every other week. But now the fantasy world, I feel like, is kind of blown up. There's so many podcasts and so many analysts out there. But, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much CBS and ESPN, but I haven't really listened to ESPN in a while. Yeah, they uh, they made the decision to go to three times per week a few years ago, I think. And we just kept on, you know, uh, we had a big audience and people need their fantasy baseball content. I don't know what this year is going to be like. I'm not feeling a lot of enthusiasm for fantasy baseball this year, which is sad. I love fantasy baseball, but uh, I hope people get into it. You know, I just think that baseball blew such a golden opportunity to have a longer season, to have more fanfare. I'm kind of pissed off at the owners, uh, you know. And I think a lot of people just aren't really into it. They just don't want to play. And they're, they're getting ready for football, too. It's just mm-hmm. just bad time for baseball to come back. It's a little, it's just late. Yeah, July 4th would have been, I think, the primetime best day to do it. You know, fireworks, that's kind of baseball's day. But, I mean, it got with all that debating about money, when how many games are going to have, they just pushed it back to now. So kind of talking a little bit about, yes, this is a baseball podcast, but talking about the football side, do you think we play college football or the NFL this fall? No, on college, and fingers crossed on the NFL, man. I, I don't know, but I think they're going to do everything they can to make it happen. But I don't think college has as good of a chance, and I hope they move it to the spring. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I know I work at the University of Dayton here, and they I think it's, we're going to be there for a couple weeks. And after Thanksgiving, they're going to send everybody home until the next semester. So it should be interesting. But, yeah, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. This is really fun. You're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. Appreciate it.